Welcome to True Change for the Broken with your host Shane and Derek. Well, welcome back for episode two. I'd like to say, you know, we got a lot of pretty good, what's the word I'm looking for, response Yeah. from the yeah. first show. You know, granted, a lot of it was family response, but you know how that goes, you know. You know, I asked my mom how she felt about it, and, and her response was, well, they'll get better with each one. So I yeah. guess her way of saying, you know, I'm we're good, but I'm not going to tell you what you did wrong. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had I had some people, some friends of mine, coworkers, uh, that that said it sounded really good. Said it sounded like I had been doing this for a long time, which I totally disagree with. But uh, like you said, hopefully, the more we do this, the better it sounds. So anyway, this week our title is is excuse me is God love, and a lot of people. A couple people I've talked to says had asked me the question, why would you say is God love? Why are you posing it like that? And, you know, you know as well as I do, you know, what's one of the main questions you hear from not only non-believers, but from a lot of people in the church as well? Yeah, I mean, think about everything that's going on right now with our world events. Um, you know, people ask the question, how is there a God when all of this bad stuff is happening? You know, if God is supposed to be good, uh, why is all this bad stuff happening? So, um, you know, I mean, we have death, we have suffering, we have people getting sick, and we just have just straight-up evil in the world. But, you know, a lot of times it's hard for people to understand. You know, the main thing, you know, God gives us free will. That's the free will to make our own choices. And, you know, a lot of times people believe, you know, why didn't... Why did, you know, he didn't just create everything perfect? And the answer is, well, he did. Right, yeah. And our own sin is what's caused all the pain and destruction. But I kind of put it this way to my wife because she didn't really understand understand what I was talking about. Would, you know, especially for our younger viewers, a, a helicopter parent. Now, as far as... You know, helicopter parent means somebody that just hovers with you over continuously, watching every little thing you do, correcting you, you know, every which way you go. You know, he could have made it like that, but in the end, we wouldn't have been able to make the our own free choice of following him. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, <clears throat> it kind of just goes back to the curse of sin. You know, um, I mean, we had Adam and Eve, and God told them, you know, you can do anything you want to here, but do not eat from, you know, the the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And uh, Satan came down and told uh, Eve, you know, did he really say that? You know, maybe he doesn't want you to eat from that tree because you would be like God. You know, and he basically talked her into eating from that tree. Um, and if she didn't have the free will to do that, if he had just made everything, you know, a robotic situation going on, um, you know, then that's that's not really true love. 
you know? No, and another way, you know, sometimes it's hard to look on a tragedy or a sickness as something good, to, you know, finding good in something in, in that aspect. <clears throat> but even no matter what the suffering or sickness is, once that suffering and sickness are with, how many, how many of you even really remember it, you know, six months down the line? Because he's taking you through that suffering, and in a way, it teaches you lessons from the different troubles that you go through in life. Right. But I think one of the best biblical stories that I can think of to go along with not only whether or not God is love, but at the same time, thinking about in the view of people and tragedies of how could all this be going on and him love me and that's the that's the story of job and that was one of the one thing i hear a lot of people saying is that how could a loving god put a man that god himself called righteous through horrible suffering just to test his loyalty i mean what were some of the things that you know befell on job all right yeah i mean you know job had a lot of stuff you know i mean he had a lot of of animals he had really good friends he had a family um, he had a lot of money. Um, you know, I mean, everything was going... He was very blessed. Right. There you go. Yeah, that's a good word. There you go. He was very blessed. Um, but the one thing that... One thing that we need to point out here is, you know, that's a flawed question. Um, Jesus didn't test Job's loyalty. Satan tested Job's loyalty. God knew that... God knew he was righteous. He was righteous, and he knew what he was going to do when he was tested by Satan. I mean, so many, I mean, you talk about, you know, house fell on his kids, all people stole all of his animals, animals died, stole, stole his property. I mean, literally lost everything. And even lost the point to one time where, where his own wife even says, why don't you, why are you still hanging on? Why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, talk about the wife of the year here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it it did. It got so bad that he finally cried out to God to just let him die. He couldn't take it anymore, but it's still, in the end, he still never denounced God. Right. But, you know, his friends, his friends come along and tried to help him. But what, what was it that Job ended up telling his friends at one finally at one point? So yeah, Job says to him in uh, chapter 16, verse 2, he says, You are miserable comforters, all of you. But did they do everything wrong? Okay, so they were there, um, you know, with him. They listened to his stuff. Um, so, I mean, you know, and... and that's kind of the thing is, you know, um, well, what, let me step in here. You know, it had, you know, they had been there before to him to get to the point to where he caused them miserable comforters. Right. They weren't always miserable comforters. Right. And there, there's a song by Matthew West. It's called do something. And that really speaks volume about, not just us as Christians, but us as, as human beings and human beings towards other people. And, you know, the 
our purveyor of all that is music over here. <laughs> I'm sure you know he has the lyrics ready for you. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm definitely not going to sing it to you guys. Uh, I'm not I'm not a singer. He will eventually sing it once he starts writing it, but you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you some of the lyrics. I mean, um, you know, let's just let's just go over verse one. You know, I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble. Now, I thought, how'd we ever get so far down? And how's it ever gonna turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought just just disgusted me. <clears throat> So I shook my first my fist at heaven. I said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did. Yeah. I created you. So that 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 encapsulated the whole thing right there. So not only do we have free will, but he created us for that sole purpose to show his love to everybody else. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no, Keep that, going. That's fine. Uh, so then we go down to uh, the chorus. You know, if not us, then who? If not me and you, right now, well, it's time for us to do something. If not now, then when? Will we see an end to all this pain? It's not enough to do nothing. It's time for us to do something. And you scroll down to the next verses, you know, we'll just hit up on a couple of the lyrics here uh, about how we are God's hands and feet. But it's easier to say than to be. It's all right. Somebody else will do something. And that's kind of the, unfortunately, the mindset of a lot of people. You know, we, you know, we sympathize with them and we can watch this stuff on the news and hear about friends or, or you know family something happening to them and you go oh that's horrible you know we'll be we'll be praying for you or our thoughts are with you you know but that's i mean that's great that, that needs to be done never think that i'm telling you not to pray for somebody but at the same time when it comes to stuff you know to tragedies people's sickness i mean god specifically tells us to go to them right I mean, the only way we can show Christ, Christ's true love is not by just saying, you know, oh, I hope everything's okay, I'll pray with you, you know. Whatever. No, we go to them. We do everything we can in our power to help them and to comfort them when they're going through this. Yeah, I mean, you know, not, not to get too far off tangent on, off the lyrics here, but uh, just a caveat off of what you're saying, you know, I mean, you, if, if you just pray but you don't do, you don't have any action, your prayer is not going to it's not going to work you know i mean you have to do something to make a change i mean like you said that's why we're here that's you know what god says i created you i mean the third the third the excuse me the third section of the song says it says it all it says we're never going to change the world by standing still right god never instructs us to i mean this isn't filled to dreams people it's not, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> we are meant to go get them, go help them. You know, standing still is not going to handle anything. Right. But, you know, back to Job, you know, his friends weren't complete horrible comforters, as, as he put it. He said there were, there were three things that they did right. 
I said, first, they went to him in his suffering. Mm-hmm. I said, second, they empathized with him. They cried, they tore their robes, and they put dust on their heads. Now, I know to us this day, I'm not telling, you know, if somebody you know has died, don't go to their house, rip your clothes off, and start throwing dirt on your head because that's not really going to turn out too good for you. <laughs> right. But, I mean, they were with him for seven full days. They spent the time with him. They waited seven days, and then they let their own emotions take far, take take hold and start to give him advice. Right. Yeah, and I mean, that, that takes me to, uh, you know, Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Uh, you know, just spend time with them and be there if no words are said. I believe the Word of God actually says rejoice with those rejoicing and weep with those who are weeping. Yeah, it's simply you just lead by example. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're Christ's example here on, on earth. If we if they can't see him in us, they're not going to have any desire to see him. Period. Right. Yeah. I mean, one the one wonderful one verse is is James two, fourteen through seventeen. He says, "What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister was out clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed.'" but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by actions, is dead. Now that's pretty powerful, if, if I do say so. Oh yeah. I mean, God's gift is salvation. Mm-hmm. And right here he's saying that salvation is worthless Right. if there's no action towards people to go along with it. Exactly. And that's what I was trying to say earlier with the, with, with the uh, praying but no action. That's just, you know, the Word of God is way, way more powerful than, than what I was trying to say. And I'm, and I'm glad that, you know, you brought that up because uh, it definitely gives more meat to what I was trying to say. It gives more value to what I was trying to say. Let's put it that way. Well, so, you know, during Job's time, his friends and what they kept telling him was that all his troubles were a sign of judgment from God. Mm-hmm. They were saying, you know, oh, you've done something to, you know, to blaspheme, whatever whatever you want to call it, God. Right. And this is why you're being judged. You know, in today's terms, they'd be like, oh, well, you put yourself in that situation, you know. You know, this this, this one, you know, the, the emotions of our advice take over, and that becomes what's really more damaging to people. And you know, instead, you know, so we should just encourage them to endure Assure them that God sees their pain, but also has a purpose for it. Right. Yeah, and I mean, and, that, and that's what we were talking about earlier, you know, with, with the bad things that happen. You know, sometimes bad things have to happen in order for good things to come out of it. And usually that's, I would say usually, all the time that's what God does. You know, I mean, there's always something bad that Satan is going to do in this world. And God is going to take that bad because he, once again, he doesn't have, you know, Satan's not a robot either. Satan has free will. He could do what he pleases. So when when he does what he does down here, God takes what he has done to ruin things and turns it around and makes it good. Well, yeah, because, I mean, when we enter somebody's suffering, we're automatically following the example of Christ. 
He came to bear our pain, and he suffered in our place. And just as Christ, by us going to them, we're suffering for them in their place. Right. You know, you had a good analogy earlier before we started, you know, talk, you know, describing kind of in a real-world situation about what God, you know, what God did in taking that suffering. So, I mean, let's just take for an example, um, you know, if you were to steal or, um, and and this is, I've definitely heard it better another way, but I'm just going to go with the stealing. Uh, so if you were to steal something, right, and you got arrested by the cops, uh, you know, obviously this is going to be something with high value, not just, you know, you stole a pack of gum from a store. Um, but anyways, you, you, ha- you were arrested and then you went to court, uh, and you know, the judge says to him, he said, you know, he says, you stole X amount of dollars worth of jewelry. You know, your, your sentence is going to be, you know, five years in, in prison, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, but then he turns around and says to you, says, you know, but uh, fortunately for you, somebody here has, uh, has, has paid that money back. They, they've paid the fine for you. And so you're free to go. You know, we're not, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to give you prison time. The money's been replaced back and everything is all as well. Uh, you know, that's, that's the same concept as to what happens here with our salvation. You know, we were born into sin and our, uh, our wages for sin is death. You know, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, and so basically what happened was, you know, we have our wages of death, but if we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior um, and understand that he died on that cross for us, that he basically paid our for our sins. Um, you know, he, he, he gave that money, so to speak, in the story of stealing. He gave that money, and now we're free to go. And by free to go, I mean we, we get to go to heaven. We're no longer going to spend eternity in hell. Yeah, I mean, it's it would be, you know, to me, that, that analogy is perfect. But in, at the same time, what he actually did for us in love is an eternity of a higher percentage than just paying, you know, a fine. Right. And, but that gives, you know, a good explanation for it. You know, not only did he pay for our sins, Mm -hmm. he took away our death sentence. Right. And that, that's the biggest thing. But, you know, in the case of, you know, Job and, and ours as well, you know, in the end, it was Satan that was responsible for sending the tragedies. Right. Satan did it for an unholy reason. He was trying to discredit God. Right. God had already said Job was righteous, but, you know, the devil, you know, but while the devil said that he was just a man on the take from his divine sugar daddy, and that as long as he was only going to be as righteous and as good as long as the sugar kept coming. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, it's... And unfortunately, 
you know, that's how a lot of things are. But if you if you truly if you truly follow Christ, you know, no matter what comes your way, as long as you you trust in Him to take care of you um, and get you through these hard times, and understand that you know it's not Him that's doing all this evil, you know, he, you know God is God is good. Um, so you you have to you have to come to the conclusion that God is gonna take what's bad and take for good. And I don't know if I'm jumping jumping the gun on this part, uh, but I mean, look at what happened to him. You know, I mean, he he ended up getting what was it a hundred a hundred times? Yeah, he was a hundred times what he had had before. He had twice as many kids as he had before. Right. And I, and I can understand you know, some people saying now, like, well, yeah, but he lost his he lost he lost his family and everything else before, and that, you know that's understandable in that pain, but. Out of that pain, he was blessed even more abundantly than he was before. Right, exactly, yeah. I mean, a, a good way to look at it would be how many cows he had beforehand and then how many cows he has afterwards. Um, cows, really? That's where you're going to go? This is just cows? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you you already hit up on it. I mean, he are, he has kids. You know, I, I guess in today's sense, that'd be you know he he used to be you know a millionaire. Now he's a billionaire. I guess you could say. There you go. I mean that that would be a good way of putting it for for like Elmer over here talking about how many cows he has. <laughs> but you know, there's one verse in the Bible that says as plain as it can be, and, and what is that verse, Derek? Uh, yes, I mean that's that's First John four eight. And very simply put, it's God is love. I mean, don't get no more simple than that. It doesn't. And, you know, if God is infinite, then naturally his love is infinite. Correct. You know, that, and that reminds me of a story that it, it was very powerful when I heard it. And it was, I mean... Just the description itself, you know, I hope you feel in the same difference. And it's called the ant story. Now, there was a man, he'd come home from work, went to bed. And when he woke up the next morning, he had a trail of ants from his bedpost all the way over to his closet. So he went running to his closet to try to find out what it was. And he seen that he had left a, a peppermint in the pocket of his shirt. And his shirt was just covered in ants. So he goes over and he just shakes all the ants out into the tub to try to get everything cleaned up. And then at that moment it hits him. He's like, oh, he says, you know, all the ants, they're going to fall down into the drain and they're all going to die. He says, you know, I got to do something. I got to do something to help them. So I'm, you know, I'm screaming up the top of my lungs, don't go near the drain. Don't go near the drain. You're going to die. You're going to die. And not a single one of them will listen. So he said, well, maybe, may, maybe if I could just train a few of those ants to communicate to the rest of them to stay away from the drain they wouldn't they they wouldn't perish so you know he trains a couple of the ants and sends them down there and a few of them follow but the rest of them still head right right towards that drain right towards destruction and and that's when it hit him he knew he's you know the only way that he was going to be able to save those ants was if he become an ant himself and went down there and led them all away from that dream. That's the same way with God, folks. You have to understand, 
God is the creator of everything. He is infinite. Infinite being that looked down on a bunch of ants and said, the only way I can save these ants is to lower myself to an ant as well. Right. It don't get no much more cut and dry about the level of God's love. And Romans... Well, I know, but just say it again. You ain't got a whisper. <laughs> Verses are always good. Yeah. Um, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 also says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I say it right there, folks. All of us. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. We've all sinned. We will all fall short. We will never be able to raise ourselves to the point of heavenly. Right. Not by actions. Correct. That is. Um, you know, and I, and I stated that in, in the last podcast, um, in, in our last episode. I said, you know, for we have all fallen short of the glory of God. There's nothing that we can do that is going to be acceptable in his in his eyes um and i say that to a certain extent because the one thing that we can do is you know accept jesus as our lord and savior accept that he died on that cross for our sins um and by doing so that is how we get into heaven yeah and i want to touch on one more thing that just shows the level of not only his love but the level of, I guess you could say his his signature, his finger fingerprint on creation. So you know, back when the Bible was written, it was just all one lump sum of words. There was no chapters or verses or anything like that. But um, have you ever heard of a thing called gematria? Don't believe I have. And what what gematria is 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 an alphanumeric code of assigning a numerical value to a name, a word, or a phrase based on its letter. So each Hebrew letter had a numerical value. So to, to, to just happen that the ones that decided to put the Bible into chapters and verses, that those two verses Derek just spoke of, Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. And I just want to tell, tell you what each of those numbers in Hebrew meant. The number three stands for the number of God's completeness, his presence, and his power. The number six is the number of man, which, which also means sin and the evil powers of the world. The number 23, though, it represented life. I mean, take it how you know, coincidence or not, how many chromosomes do we have? 23. The foundations of life. But the number 23 also signified death and sin. So literally, Romans 3.23, it talks about that all, instead of all, you know, you could add that in there for number 23, all life has sinned. Yep. 
and will fall short of the completeness, the ultimate presence and power of God. And the Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin, so men's sin and the evil that they do is death, but only in Christ is eternal life. Like every other time, we would like to give this moment to offer you that road to salvation. Yeah, so, um, you know, if, if any of the stuff that we have said today has stirred in your heart, you know, um, and, and, you know, this is the, the main reason why we do this, is we try to reach out to as many people as we can to help lead them to Christ. You know, we can't do it ourselves uh, all we can do is just uh, you know work through work, have God work through us to reach those who, who need him um, and so we just want to take some time to you know uh, have you guys just just say this prayer um, you know uh, dear Heavenly Father we thank you for everything you've done. Uh, you know, we we understand that. You know, we we're not we're not good in your eyes. Um, ever since Adam and Eve, you know, we have uh, we were we were born into sin, and you know, we will always fall short of your glory, and we understand that. It took you to come down to the bathtub, so to speak, uh, to be with with the ants to explain to them what you needed from them, uh, and and we appreciate you, you know, being born into this world, walking this earth. We we appreciate you, um, you know, spreading spreading the word of God, um, you know, taking missions around around the world to, uh, to to show us you know what it would take for us to 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 make it to the Father in heaven and we understand that you know you you died on that cross for us you you not only died on that cross for us but you went through suffering before so you know the value of our lives is worth so much more than we can possibly imagine and you know we want to ask you into our hearts we want to ask you into our lives you know we want to give up everything we want to give up everything in our life to you and just let you take complete control over it and we ask all of this in your holy and precious name amen amen thank you for joining us once again Our next episode will simply be titled, To Judge or Judge Not? That is the question. If you have any questions, concerns, any comments, or if you just need some counseling, please feel free to contact us at truechangeministries at gmail.com. And once again, thank you for listening. We love you, and God bless.